The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada, presented by Anime North. Check us out on our launch page for links to everything Anime Roundtable, from our old-school email, blog, and podcast site, to our streaming video and socials, AnimeRoundtable.com. And the podcast now begins. Gong Hei Fa Choi on the Super Bowl Sunday morning, February 11th, 2024. And it must be morning. God, what a way to start. Who suggested this time again? Uh, me. But it, it isn't just, it isn't, that's not what I'm referring to, uh, just with this big sigh. You just, it just happened a couple seconds ago. Here, here I am about to hit the record button. And I accidentally hit the leave studio button here, and we're, we were delayed by about another two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's me that suggested it. I thought it was the only time that I could get all five of you, all five of us, around the table. But uh, no, it's only three of us. And it's the usual suspects from last episode. So uh, Kevin Ng, James Austin, three of us again this morning uh, having coffee. So, uh, you know, so I, uh, at least I tried. Uh, I tried to combine all the cool stuff that's happening this weekend. So, um, happy Lunar New Year, by the way, Kevin. Have dinner. I think, I think Kevin said we should say Chinese New Year last time. Oh, is that what we were supposed to do? Okay. No, Lunar New Year is fine. Okay. How <laughs> uh, was dinner last night? I had my dinner on Friday, so Saturday was a normal day. Okay, so it kind of like a kind of like you know, my family does a Thanksgiving on the Sunday, so I guess it's mm. somewhere along the same line. I heard Usher's performing at the Super Bowl today. Yeah, later today. Yes, they had talked about that because they said that was an interesting choice for them, and because yeah, that's all everyone cares about is halftime show and then what commercials they're going to uh, play and then the other part of the Super Bowl now added, can Taylor Swift make it to Las Vegas in time to watch a stadium full of people with no football players because they've basically been sidelined because they're either gambling or they're in other locations in Las Vegas. Or It's a culture thing. So that the bookies uh, can uh, make their money, right? Fix is in as they say. (laughs) Topic. uh... A friend of mine also posted a video uh, from Tokyo, and she was at the Taylor Swift concert last night. So, and Taylor Swift at this hour, I guess, is racing back all back from Tokyo to get to presumably to get to the Super Bowl. Is her boyfriend yeah. playing? 
Yeah, yeah, he's in the correct. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs made it all the way, so yeah, that's why they were all that extra hype. And then some of the commercials supposedly tried to tie into this fact that Taylor Swift is, I guess, trying to be there in that. So it's all sorts of ridiculousness, I guess. Mm, yeah. I wish I had more to say, but I really don't because I don't particularly care about celebrity relationships. Yeah, I mean, that that's just the this whole Super Bowl thing, so... I, I, I'll be, uh, I'll try and, you know, I'll be busy, uh, busy myself later. So I'll, I can only pay so much attention to the Super Bowl today. Right. Okay. All right. So we, we did taper, we did want to tape early morning. There's some stuff that's, uh, really out there. We want to get, get to those, uh, little topics and then we can maybe talk, chat about the other stuff that caught our attention later on. Okay. So let's see. I, I put out a list of ideas we want to go with. I, Kevin put up a good one. We're going to get to that one probably in the latter part, part of the show today. But where do you want to start? Like I, I, I mean, the two big. The I know the one of the bigger stories this week is is the whole Funimation thing. But something else caught our attention here locally, right? Yeah, I think we're going to look something local, correct? That you had seen first, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about it. Uh, back to the convention scene. It's not Anime North that we're going to talk about. Anime Toronto. This one's kind of interesting. So, how long ago was this? A couple weeks ago? I forgot when the statement came out. I think it was Tuesday or so. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, the last Tuesday. But it was like last week. Not too, not too long after we had taped last time. Uh, the anime, AnimeToronto.ca website. A statement from the head of... From the head of... Uh, President, of it said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can No stated he was leaving Anime Toronto for various reasons. I guess uh, it was just, you know, the decide to leave Anime Toronto. And Cam No is also the guy behind... Anime Revolution in Vancouver. Yeah, the well, statement is on the site because that's what the AnimeToronto.ca site is. Is now it's just the statement, and it's still up there. We'll see what happens if it still stays up there. But did we want to read the quick snippets there, Mike? I guess. Yeah, uh, you want me to read read the uh, statement in full? Sure, if you want. It's only well, three paragraphs. It's not that yeah. long. It's very concise. <laughs> Dear Anime Toronto Community, this is right on the webpage. My name is Ken No, founder and president of Anime Toronto. I started this event with the help of a colleague and her investors. I was brought on because of my experience at Anime Revo Vancouver, AnimeRevolution.ca. While we did our best to bring you the best event we could create, there were some issues that I encountered that could only be rectified if I had complete control over all aspects of the event. After some discussion, it, I decided it would be best to walk away from Anime Toronto. Effective immediately, everything you had known about both International Fan Festival and Anime Toronto will be going away. My colleague, who will continue Anime Toronto, at least, that's what I think she will do, will do so without my assistance or guidance. With that said, I don't want to give up on Toronto and have decided to bring Annie Revo, a company and event that I fully own, to Toronto. 
We are in the early stages of planning and hope to begin our event in 2025. Until then, I want to thank this entire community for how kind and patient you have been with us. I look forward to seeing you all again soon. All the best can. And best if we read that statement in full, because who knows at what point can know will lose control of AnimeToronto.ca. Yeah, or as we said, uh, them sharing it. But it's it's interesting because we knew Anime Revolution obviously had uh, a tie-in to uh, both events that they put on and stuff like that. And we knew, obviously, the layout of the dealers, and if you look between Anime uh, Revolution and what they did in Toronto, is basically similar and stuff like that. So it makes you wonder... And also the guests, I think he probably helped in getting those guest lineups and stuff like that. And especially the first year tying up with Anaplex to get all the uh, Fate Stay Night uh, movie two uh, guests and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects them trying to get guests and other things uh, going forward. Because I think that connection helped them in that area. Especially if they're going to try and enter uh, the market in 2025 which is interesting Mm -hmm. and i think the other thing that'll be interesting is where would they hold anime toronto with his um friend and her investors because i think them getting into uh, metro toronto convention center had some probably had some help to do with anime revo because remember they're at the main convention center in vancouver and stuff like that so i wonder if there's a tie there and stuff like that and that's how they ended up where they were in the Metro Convention Center, because that is, even though they only had a certain amount of space, I'm sure it, there's still an expense to that and stuff like that. So you think the money really came from from the... Well, no, they probably had some good chunk from the other side, but I think Anime Revo helped with connections and stuff like that. So I think if they come back in 2025, well, they'd probably be at the Metro Convention Center. But then the question is, where would they put their date? Because they have to avoid Fan Expo, and then they got to avoid Anime North. And the two they've done before, it's just they picked them out of thin air because they had to do them. So the one was Easter weekend. The other one was Labor Day weekend. And I don't think either event would want to do those type of dates again. Well, you're also making the assumption that, like, well, what about Anime Toronto itself? We And let's preface this. Let's preface this. We, um, a- Annie Revo Toronto and Anime Toronto, these are now separate en- entities. These were like, we thought we like, I didn't really understand the makeup and the makeup of anime Toronto. This is the first time I I, I really, this is the first time I came to uh, realize or that there was, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the anime revolution side. I thought it was a holy, like completely controlled by anime revolution. And it just found out and only this statement made me realize, no, there was, it wasn't just anime revolution. I think involved it, in this group for me, it confirmed what I already thought and stuff like that is that anime revolution. He was brought on as the public facing side and probably for connections. And then the other part was kind of the silent money and stuff like that, so to speak. And now it'll be interesting to see what this other part does, because I don't think they have an event this year in 2024. I think they're in retool mode if they want to figure out what they want to do for 2025. And then they'll have to have in the back of their mind that Anime Revo wants to try and do do an event now too. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. And the thing is, they're free to make a decision now because I think the other thing that happened for them uh, last time is, remember, they had the first event. Then they're like, oh, we're going to be back again in 2020. But of course, COVID put a stop to that. And they said, don't worry, you can roll over your tickets. So I think they had to get that event out the door last year so they could make sure to uh, reimburse people, so to speak, or give an event to people. And they still put on a very good event. You know what I mean? Uh, People came out too. Well, all things considering, I still enjoyed. And oh, look, guess who made it? Morning, Mo. Uh, morning, guys. Well, okay. So, are you on phone? I thought I, I, I am currently calling in. Yes. Oh well, you're. Oh man, we, we turned yeah. into a radio call-in show there, Mike. Well, can, how long can you? How long can you stick around, Mo? Uh, not, not not that long. Maybe an hour or so. Hopefully, we're done uh, before that. Then. <laughs> that could be the that could be the duration <laughs> of the episode today. So. Um, uh, okay, so we're on the anime revo- uh, anime revolution topic. Uh, right we now. haven't hit, we Are haven't you, hit a uh, Funimation yeah. topic yet. We're about to go. We're going to go there right after. And yes, I'm the only one uh, doing this on video. Do you want me to turn off my camera? I mean, you know, it, it kind of makes us feel self-conscious, Mike. You know, we're not all as handsome as look you are. Look how I look. Look at how I look on this video. And thank goodness this is that the video isn't going out into the public. <laughs> I, I don't know, Mike. You look like you're ready to go to a Taylor Swift concert in Tokyo, right? Absolutely, yeah. Catching catching the train and whatnot. I was just, I was just mentioning that. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you can wear whatever you want to a concert. I, I was just mentioning one of, uh, one of our one of my friends in Tokyo was at that concert, and she used to be one of the um, key people in in the Japanese club at York University back in the day. Moved, she moved back to Tokyo, and she was at the Taylor Swift concert. That was pretty good. So okay, so we're talking about the whole anime Toronto thing just to get you up to speed, okay, Mo? Then we'll then then we'll rail on uh, on Funimation and the VTuber stuff. Has that all been confirmed with with Anime Rebel? Like that's like that's happening. If another con is happening, or, or what's going well, on? Well, that that seem that seems to be the intention of the head of uh, of anime of Anime Revolution. And that right? seems to be the hope. And yeah. the other thing he makes clear, which we already knew, is they have full control of Anime Revolution. And this is something they want to do and stuff like that. And I merely stated, I wasn't aware that Annie, Annie Revo did not have complete control over the Anime Toronto IP. Didn't have total control. I thought it was wholly theirs, but no, there's another group. There's another set, set of investors. And, and, to your, and just going back for a couple seconds, James, you said, you said, you mentioned, you know, Annie Revo ha- takes out the biggest biggest convention center out in Vancouver, and that plays into what are them getting Metro Toronto Convention Center. I'm not totally sure it's a direct link. There isn't a direct link, I don't. But, but it, it kind of feels like there's something there. There's the other a, thing, though, to, to your me. point, why I think it did feel like it was all Annie Revo is... You look at the layout of how they did things similar to how they did in Vancouver. You look at guest lists. You look at how they handled the guests and stuff like that and sign-up lines and all that stuff. And it was similar to what they had done between both cons. So it definitely feels like if you were looking at at surface level, it's like, yeah, they're the same thing and stuff like that. So it was interesting to see how this came out in the statement. Yeah, it's interesting that it looked like it was a partnership after all and that irreconcilable differences probably happened 
Yeah, that we're not privy to. That's uh, that sounds like what it is when you. That's just sort of how how the statement reads, and you, you know, you have to kind of downplay that, but you know there were disagreements, right? So there's that story, and I guess the line that's coming to me right now is there can only be two, and you know one of them is Anime North. So Anime Toronto, Anime Revolution, the Toronto edition. And 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 I guess there's questions as to how much how much money the the other investors on the uh, behind Anime Toronto actually have compared to Anime Revolution and Cam No. Right. I don't and know what it's a fascinating story. I, I'm just saying that. I, I don't I know what the other con will do if they don't have the connections. That's the thing. This is what. Like if they're if the investors have the more money and, and it talks dollar dollar bill y'all it can talk thinking, in any respects. Go ahead, James. I was thinking there uh, that probably originally it probably started out with this idea on the Toronto side, and then they, as we said, they make the partnership with Annie Revo and stuff like that, so they can make like a con that people can enjoy and stuff like that, and that probably was the smart play because. Now, uh, as they say, they could go the way of Con Nobaka. And I remember being there at Con Nobaka. And definitely, that was a con no one will ever forget from 20 years wrong. ago. For all the wrong reasons? Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Although a lot of, those, a lot of them ended up in the Anime North fold. It actually took me a couple they, of seconds to remember Con Nobaka after you talked about it just now. Yeah, some people, it's wiped from the memory, but since I was there, I can never forget it and all the things that occurred <laughs> at that convention. That's a good one. And all I could say is that, yeah, they, they did the smart play, but now they're in retail mode, and I think it could be one of those things where they decide to fold and say, you know what, maybe we can't enter this market anymore, and we'll just we leave it. Enter. Because it's not just, obviously the con market, but there's so many different events happening that you have to buy against, right? In the greater yeah. Toronto area. So well, we're talking about resolution. We're talking Revo here. Honestly, I feel like you could do a con in between the two big ones. It's just that you would need to start small. Like Anime North started off as a small con. All Most cons started off as small cons before they grew to what they became. But I mean, in, in in the current age of, you know, infinite money and investors wanting to make maximum returns on their value, I mean, I feel like go big or go home, right? No, but there is no infinite money. I mean, not, not anymore, obviously, but, you know, at, at one point there kind of was. Well, that's the illusion, maybe. Like, maybe that was the impression. But, like, obviously from an outsider's point of view, you'd think they had a lot of money because, oh, it's a big con, right? Right off the gate, yeah, yeah, and now we're. I'm beginning to really wonder how much money is involved. Well, given their guests and all those different connections and stuff like that, I really wonder how much they broke even. Like, if it was like, okay, we're going to start here, and then hopefully we'll get better as we go along, and it probably not might not have turned out as well as they hoped, especially because they had the pandemic throw probably a wrench in their plan, so to speak. Okay, well, let's keep up with the story. Um, you know what? Let me let me get your take on this. So, Anime Revel obviously has you know financial backers of some kind, right? 
how long before Crunchyroll just takes over every con in the nation? Good segue. I was going to say, you don't want them to be powered by high dive yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, do you, do because Otakufan had the sponsorship from High Dive, remember, for a few years. And how'd that turn out? I don't think they had it last year, but uh, I'm not sure if they're still doing that, obviously, since, remember, obviously, them and Sentai got bought out by AMC. And we know where Dolan's putting his money now and stuff like that. He's putting it into trying to make the Knicks better, I guess, this season. <laughs> well, to some extent, uh, they are. Some extent, well, we're in retail mode for the Raptors. I know. I know. I know. Uh, and they got blown out last night by the by the Cavs. Uh, well, you know what uh, they said in Philly, right? We're now in the process. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Oh well. Okay, uh, so. Do we get okay. to go to the other funny uh, story? Not yet. Well, give me a last thought. Last thought. If you are like, I'm not going to ask to make a prediction as to, okay, if we are to use the, there can be only one line between Toronto, uh, anime Toronto and Annie Revo. Forget who we think could come out. As a fan, who would you want to come out? Or do you, and, and the, the correct answer will probably be really who cares? Let's put a combination of both our anime roundtable hat on and just being a fan. I, I think Toronto one might take it out. I feel like yeah, it's, it's, you're hoping it's, it's, any, any Toronto, anime yeah. Toronto. Yeah. What you, Kev, Mike? You're, you're asking me who would stick around? Who you hope sticks around, not who will. Who you think we actually will, but who you hope sticks around? Just give me another event. I don't care who sticks around. But I, I, think, I think it'll be Revo. But I think Revo will will likely be the one that sticks around because it seems like the people who started Anime Toronto and like the con here needed Cam to to get any sort of guests here, but. Just give me a con. I just need I need a medium. I need a con here that's not as corporate as Fan Expo and and Anime North. Well, Anime North is way yeah, completely on the other side of that spectrum. So you want something in the middle, kind of old CN, which is what we kind of described Anime Toronto as. But I would say the same thing as Kevin. It's like. I don't care either way, but likely I feel Annie Revo is going to be the one that is able to continue on uh, once it gets started again in 2025, because I think it's going to be tough for Anime Toronto. It all depends on if they made use of those connections and still have some phone numbers to kind of get the engine rolling again and the money to get rolling again, so to speak. I guess that's the question. And I'm admittedly along that track too, on the credibility side, like they've like Revo has built its credit, built its brand, its credibility, or if that's the word. So, and they can pull those guests and a lot of people loved those guests. They're the ones behind that. As far as I could tell. So maybe that's where I sit on the, on the topic too. And as always, we'll see. 
It'll be fun. To, it'll be interesting to watch. And, but that doesn't mean, and we know this talking with our, with our friends in Vancouver, uh, with people like Mitchie and, um, and Jesse, there's issues there too. They definitely have outstanding issues. And we saw some of them even in Toronto and stuff like that. But it's like you take the good and the bad, like with everything and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I'm also with you guys. Uh, and I can't blame you for feeling maybe even with you on this. Like the more the merrier. And Toronto is big enough to for more than one such focused anime event. Because so, I've heard it from other friends and acquaintances that yeah i agree with you mike there there's been demand for a con for a second here a second con here Mm -hmm. because let's be real an can't pull the same kind of guests that other bigger cons can because of the nature of the con right yeah yeah i was gonna say like you look at um otaku-san in montreal and stuff like that and they had the feel of anime north but the leadership there decided to take a different type they said we still want the feel but we also want these other parts and they brought in the guests and they brought in the French and the English part. So they had an interesting thing. So it's, it depends on uh, who's running and stuff like that. And we love anime North, but there is definitely a certain spirit they want to keep. And that means certain other parts can't move forward. Like yeah, you want the guests, be, you're not always going to yeah, get the guests you want because they have a different fun. feel for our convention. It's an old East coast con. It's where you come to get together with your friends and enjoy some great times and share your passion. And and now I'll end off by this segment by saying Anime Roundtable is the official podcast of Anime North. Yep. Okay. Alright, let, let's uh, let's uh, continue the Sony bashing. Uh, we bashed... Oh, I thought we were pouring one out for uh, a part of Sony that doesn't exist anymore. Well, 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 oh, well wait, actually, before we switch, uh, I just realized because there, there's an there's an anime con in Ottawa at the end of March, and they're bringing Angela. Cool, good for I them. They, I thought they'd always had one in Ottawa for a long time and stuff like that. I forget what they called it though. This one is actually called Anime Ottawa. Okay, well they good. might have rebranded. You never know. Since I last saw that one, I remember. But that's interesting. Good for them though for pulling yeah. that one off. I'm okay. actually debating if I should go now. <gasps> Because uh, I love Angela. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be almost 20 years since they last came. I was about to say, yeah, it's been 19, 19 years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. because I think they, they came in 2005. Yeah, it was the, 2005. It was, so it was about, uh, oh, but almost 20 years. But yeah, 19 years since they came to, to Toronto show, to CN. Yeah, to the show, yeah, to CN Anime, to what is now known as Fan Expo. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, $50 for the weekend doesn't seem that bad. Now these days, wouldn't it? Fifty bucks <laughs> until the fifteenth, which oh. is you know a couple of days from now. And, and then how? And then what's the bump? Sixty. And Still then it'll be okay until the twenty fourth, and then it'll be probably seventy at the door, is what I'm guessing. Yeah, under a hundred bucks. I will not shut the door on it at this point. So it's only a matter of securing, like a, like a hotel or or an Airbnb at that point. 
You're saying you can't just sleep on uh, the lawn of uh, Parliament Hill or something like that? I mean, I'm not that type of person. <laughs> okay. To do that. Right. So can we pour one out for Funimation now? I mean, when's the official oh. date? Was it was it January? Was it like last month? April. April second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had. So they had announced it, and it was all the news is coming out of the Funimation help site, and so it. I couldn't actually get on it on Tuesday because I guess it was getting bombarded. But they officially said that as a part of Crunchyroll's unification of fan services announced. In March 2022, the Funimation app and website will sunset April 2nd, 2024. And then they went through all the gambit of things. Like they said, anyone who was still on there, they can transfer over to uh, their account over to Crunchyroll and stuff like that. Oh, but instead yeah. of uh, a lot of them ha that had grandfathered uh, 54.99 US uh, yearly mm, prices, they're now ending. well over double. That's they can they can still get a refund for uh, whatever they have left, which is probably next to nothing because they only announced it two months before they were going to shut down of their uh, subscription if they don't want to move over. I thought it was almost doubling, not not more than doubling. Yeah, like it's if you look at the price, it's it's a very big jump for the people like, that what, who were grandfathered. It's like to 100, basically? 45, like a 45 bump. I thought, it, yeah, it's, I think it was 55 was the grandfathered price, if I'm not mistaken. Was that the case, James? And, yeah, case and I'm 99. thinking they're going to the fan uh, the fan uh, thing tier or stuff like that, which well, is the lowest tier, I believe. It's, it's the lowest paid tier. Which is which so is only, expensive. Like, it's like, what, 100 bucks for us and stuff like that? It's like, it's bucks, it'll be 100 bucks American for them. Yeah, so that's 135 Canadian, give or take. Yeah. Or 140 and, for us. But let, okay, let, let's just, I will now I will now stay silent because I've got to renew, fully renew my Crunchyroll subscription. 99 bucks doesn't look all that bad Canadian. Well, that's just because nowadays that's standard pricing for any other streaming service. Well, and, for and you know what? If if Crunchyroll is going to be your only streaming service, so be stop? it. Because so what other legal means do you have that will give you those kinds of shows? Like with Netflix, uh, you have to wait a while for those to pop up on Netflix. You got uh, High Dive, remember I mentioned those people? Or yeah, whatever know, they can but, scrap by. But they don't have everything. They they don't, they don't have they don't have everything. They only have some of the enough. popular stuff. It's it, some it, of them, but not, not all of them. Yeah, and it's now not, that, no, forget the all because no no service will have its all except uh, except maybe uh, whatever sports thing is coming up uh, in the U.S. No legal uh, service will have. You're going to say the high seas, right? No legal service will have it all. No, it, 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 it's yeah, no legal service, and and combining both your points. Going to the waters might be like it, it, it's sad, but what the waters will be will be will look as an option for a lot of people. But Crunchyroll will have most of the most popular things now, so then that will be the more enticing of the two anime service to pick. Yeah, and it, you say, I dive. and I say, and my my line was. 
high dive, you can't even like, as I said, no one service will have just about everything. It's a matter of, so in the case of high dive, it's a matter of enough. And I don't think that's even close. It has some good, like it will have some noteworthy shows one or two. Like I will say kudos to, uh, to Sentai. I don't know if John's still there. Did he finally leave? No, he's still there. He's still like running it for AMC and stuff like that. The thing though is uh, with that, they obviously are pricing. It is priced a lot lower because they only have so much content and it's tough for them to obviously compete against Crunchyroll and stuff like that. But still, when you look at some other things, like there are tons of broken promises. We can go in with this announcement. And one of them you guys just mentioned is, yes, they have tons of shows, but they have tons of shows on Funimation that never made the jump over to Crunchyroll. Some of them dub and sub, some just dub. But some of them are big ones. Like people were talking about, when are we going to see Slayers? When are we going to see Vision of Escaflone? When are we going to see Outlaw Star? There's tons of other ones that still need to become over, and it's going to be a flip of the coin whether they do some of them on the list that haven't come over. Maybe the contracts have run out, or maybe they specifically said something about Funimation, but they still got should have figured that nonsense out. Like It's crazy how many still haven't it's, worked their way over to Crunchyroll and, and stuff like that. And but how, many, still, how many years has it been since this was announced? How many years did we? How many years have we been anticipating this? But yeah, how many, that, like how many years has this? My how many years are we into the migration? And that's the thing: how many of those shows are still relevant enough to keep them on the service? Oh, there's the big one. There's another one. Uh, yeah, some maybe. of the ones I mentioned, they should have been relevant. Enough. Some of those older shows and stuff like that. But it's like I had yeah, said talking, before. So- like these are Where some of these shows are people arguably, care about the evergreens in a streaming area era. I would, they're pushing streaming and stuff like that, and said, "Look at the new shiny stuff." Oh, by the way, we have Cowboy Bebop, but they don't mention all those other older shows. No, like I will say of the three you named just now, I'd say Slayers is the least relevant of the three nowadays. You could make the case, even though, for, even, though um, it, 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 even though in terms of sheer popularity, at least domestically, and when I say domestically, Japan. You could make the case for Escafloni and Outlaw Star. Yeah, you could, you could make a around. case. It's just, I think in Japan, I, I don't know where how Lena Inverse is still looked at in Japan these days, but I know there was a point where her popularity was through the roof or was very high, was surprisingly high when you look at it from uh, from a foreign perspective. She is still. She was always for a very long time. She was a reigning champion in terms of probably the single most popular, one of the more singularly most popular characters in Japan itself. Always, always uh, at the top of a lot of popularity polls for a long for a surprising amount of time. I don't know. Th- pretty sure that's not the case now, but mm-hmm. has it dropped that much? Oh, has, yeah. How badly has Slayers as a property dropped to the point of? Are we going to the point of irrelevancy? Looking and even at it, use the term evergreen, and then we're to the term where, okay, internationally, maybe you probably can't use the term ever evergreen. But is it to the point where even in Japan you can't use it, use it, the term evergreen? That's interesting, and, and obviously, I, I obviously I, we like if you've li- passed for. 
us here in the past, I take I take interest in saying something like that. Well, because I say it, but more like because remember how much, uh, like the whole when we met um, the English voice of Lena Inverse when Lisa Ortiz uh, came to Toronto number all those years ago, and my story is about meeting her. I'm just I'm just very concerned about uh, the reasoning behind a lot of this stuff because I feel like you know from the outset what's popular what's not popular why they moved some things they didn't move other things like, I feel like behind the scenes it's probably just a money situation a licensing situation uh, we can't justify moving all this it's it's the same thing with Disney and how they stopped uh, streaming older titles or certain titles even though they were Disney original titles like I'm pretty sure there's some sort of financial gobbledygook that's going on to determine whether or yeah. not Escaflowne is right. no, yeah. And you could say that having said that, you could say that about uh, Warner Brothers in some ways with some of the some of the projects they've shelved despite already already having them finished and and ready to go, ready to present. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's so disheartening because it's like this is it. This is the future. And I, the fact that there's only going to be one, maybe two, three anime streaming services well you know, two three might be who knows for 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 and the, you have the general streaming the services with uh anime on it yeah and this is oh. no i was gonna say speaking on the price point the hundred dollars a year honestly depending on the streaming service that's that's a good price point the only concern is how long would that last right yeah, I mean, one I wonder year, year. soon. That's what I was about no, to say. No, because I know with Disney, it was like, hey, here's $100 a month. Six months later, yeah, we had to jack up the price, guys. You know, <laughs> he'll get pro-weighted till next time, but we're going up. You know, it's 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 going to happen, and it sucks. I feel like I wonder when, like, Disney and Netflix, Crunchyroll is going to bring back the ads, and they're going to bring back a lower yeah. tier with the ads, because I yeah. feel like that's going to happen at some point very soon <laughs> in the future. Okay, but... As a demographic, as a fandom, what do you advertise to an anime fan? Or does it really matter? Anime fans might hate it kicking and screaming, just like everything else. I think they're just going to be the same ads they have anywhere else. It was funny, last night, I was on Tubi because I couldn't see it on Retro Crush because supposedly Canada was uh, blacked out for some reason, but I was watching Story of uh, Sengoku, I believe it was, and that was... A Genion title from before they collapsed. Story of Sangoku? Yeah, there we go. Story of Sangoku. Love that they, series. They call it uh, color, Colorful Palace or Color Palace or something like that on the streaming services for some weird reason, but they only have <laughs> the ocean dub, but I hadn't watched it. So I watched, I think, the first six, seven episodes or six episodes of the first arc, which was fun to watch with the ocean uh, crew and stuff like that. But it was funny. There weren't many ads on the 2B thing, even though it was free. But the ads they did have, I got advertised, OLG, I can be a millionaire and stuff like that. I got Range Rover ads. And then uh, I forget the other ad uh, yeah. I had in there. It was some other weird ad. But sometimes they don't care. They just throw whatever at you. Yeah, but I'm like, how many people are going to go on and buy a Range Rover after watching an anime? Not many. How many, them can, how many, how many can afford it? So it's... And then now I'll backtrack because yeah, maybe I spoke too soon because they'll just throw them in. Right. And, and sometimes you and hope what sticks and some, and you will find the odd thing that sticks where I, I'm taught, I'm thinking too old again in many respects because they're, 
there are, you do see advertisements that are geared towards at least, if not the de- the actual demographic, just the medium itself. So for the digital medium, and maybe and that and it has its own type of appeal that could be broad enough that would be able to just work just work just enough for who will be watching. But I do think probably if they do add an ad tier and stuff like that, they'll probably only add it in certain regions. Like the American region, they would. But for Canada, I don't think they would because they already told us we give them zero revenue or money through ads, remember, originally. And we were the first ones kicked off years and years ago. So I think they would do it on a case-by-case basis. But Yeah. And here we go, Riling, on all of this. Do you want to go to the other element in all of this? Yeah, no, it's it's all uh, dollars and cents. But the one I knew was coming, and it was talking about digital copies, because remember, oh, they yeah, had talked about is. that originally and stuff like that. Another broken mm. promise where they're not going to bring them over. Now, here's the interesting thing about the digital copies. So let's be clear about the digital copies. Oh, they, yeah. did, they did put them in with Blu-ray sets. So it was like... Blu-ray digital or Blu-ray DVD digital. I have tons that had it. Some of them I used. Some of them I gave to people. I know some people sold their uh, codes and stuff like that. But even then, back in the day or years ago, not all the codes worked like they should. So sometimes you'd have to call support just to get the codes to work to get them on your account. So it was never as simple as it should be. And then it wasn't um, you get a digital copy you can play anywhere. It is a copy that is put to your account on the Funimation uh, streaming site and you're streaming them. So it's streamed copies and stuff like that of the home video version and stuff like that. And so basically that's what you're losing access to. And they didn't want to uh, have on their site, I guess. But this is to say, okay, sorry to cut you off, James. Go ahead. This is to say what the access was to was never a file it was just to a part of the website uh, an inaccessible part of the website is that what is that the impression is that sort of how we're going with this yeah it's like an access to a part where you had and i think they even allowed you usually it was just uh, the video files for the sub and dub sometimes they might allow extras on there some likely scenario they wouldn't just would be the sub and dub of all the episodes in that set and then the other thing that i'd be really sorry for is they actually sold those codes, sold access on their website to those digital copies. And, that's, and so I wouldn't, I, no, I, I don't think many people would have went that way, but I still feel sorry for those people that just bought them off the website for the digital, yeah, access, yeah, yeah. digital codes. And yeah, okay, having them, and, and I got them a couple, to, I got, I think I got a co- uh, when I bought a copy of Frozen for the cheap, by the way, but I got a digital code. And so that, that's, that's why you always buy physical. Let's, as I said, this is just another Whatever element to that debate. This is another element to that debate. And now we, this is, this is a certainly a, this is certainly an argument going there again. Or at the very least, if you're going to buy digital, you've accepted the risk. Of yeah. It. Which is fine. It, and the other thing we, I think we might've talked about, but we saw it on PlayStation 5 and from Sony where even if it is an actual digital copy you downloaded, sometimes 
they still take a win. They screw with you. It's like a couple of years ago, they had a statement at the end of the year for Canal Plus. Last year, 2023, people were reporting about the statement they made regarding Discovery and some of their shows being pulled from PS5 and PSN and stuff like that, that anyone who had those, guess what? Even if you had downloaded, boom, they took it out. It's like they went to your home and just broke the disc right in half. I mean, I, I, I have the same fear in regards to digital ownership of properties. I, I feel like the only way to mitigate that is by buying your stuff from too big to fail organizations. Like, I'm pretty sure if you bought music from iTunes, I don't think iTunes is going to collapse tomorrow. I don't think if you bought a movie from like, I don't know, what's a, what's a like, like iTunes again? Sure. Let's well, I was going to say, remember though, Mo, it's like PSN isn't going to collapse, but it all depends on the. Um, these like terms or whatever these contracts are, sometimes it's never in their control, which is so weird. They just do a blanket scrub almost. Yeah. And that's like the legally, legally Sony and let's call it Sony. Sony will be in the free because of those, the terms they're fine. Uh, look, and you know, I, I, I am, I am a proponent uh, of digital. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look out. You gotta look out for your people, and obviously that's a fail there. And obviously, I'm beginning to think this is a fail, if not there already. And I think, oh, meanwhile, Game Pass I, fans are laughing. I'm not totally sure about that. They have like anyone there probably would be having their own issues too. Well, yes. no, because Game Pass is paid subscription. Well. So they never they know they're not owning anything by paying monthly to play those games. Okay. But we already it's, know all our digital copies are non-ownership and we've seen that with that in gaming and that. My here, where here's where I sit on on, on a lot of this. I and remember at the time okay, we never really extensively talked about the whole discovery situation at the time because, you know, we had lives in December. We still do today, but it, I sort of, I almost, I was more on the defend, uh, defending Sony side on this one, because that was one of those things that were, I felt were out of their control because that's discovery because that's Warner brothers. And that was a licensing issue. This one, I can't, I have trouble defending Sony on cause they do have a little bit more control. And having said all of this, having said all of this myself, I would have thought it would have been nice if there was some sort of backup here. If there was some sort of contingency for consumers, because this is a, to me, Mike, consumers rights thing. There's no I, defending I hate, this. I hate, to, I hate to tell you, Mike, there is a contingency. I got to read the statement they said on what is going to happen There's to my no digital copies, that. because I think I told you guys in uh, the Discord what I felt of that statement, but I still got ripped because it is laughable. It says... We understand you have concerns that about your digital copies from Funimation. These digital copies available on Funimation were a digital access to content available on DVDs or Blu-rays purchased. Please note, Crunchyroll does not currently support Funimation digital copies, which means that access to previously available digital copies will not be supported. However, we are continuously working to enhance our content offerings and provide you with an exceptional <laughs> anime streaming experience. We will appreciate your understanding and encourage you to explore the extensive anime library available on Crunchyroll. So also they've known as sorry, like so many times. Sorry. That's a sorry, not sorry. 
Response. That was just the middle finger. That was, in my fin- that was a middle finger to the fans. Know, in my it's fingers. your classic public relations response. It is. It is. It is. Look, it is but oh, having said all of this, and then yeah, as I said, maybe I would I would have defended them on the that I've said that. Look, yeah, there's no and, defending and, it, Mike. That's that's the long and short of it for you. Yes, I as I said, I I'm trying to just be a little bit more. Just trying to look at the big picture here. To look at what I see as a big picture, okay, from my perspective. And remember, I, I remember where I remember the industries I sit in. I'm always on the defensive anyway. Look, and and, and to you, and to come back to the whole too big to fail. We're talking Sony here too. This is Sony that's pulling this move off. But they are keeping. But to put it into perspective, and how much are they playing with fire? How big was the base? How many people are being screwed in this case? Maybe a lot, but it's not exactly, Meg. And I feel that's that's the that's the biggest concern. I feel like all we really need is like half a dozen people who were like torched from head to toe and can express their experience of how they got totally burned. To like build up some kind of backlash, some kind of online movement. That's another thing I don't get. Like most of these people who who the most of the demographic of who are in this position who are buying digital copies of this sort, you know, they're online people. Why not start some kind of a viral uproar? I mean, I feel like companies only respond when you know yes, their product lines are on fire. Be, it's not it's not big enough. The thing though is I think it's been like a thousand cuts basically against Crunchyroll because They've just had things on the right stuff end on this end for Funimation and every other end that just everything has become bigger focus on them and stuff like that. Something that would have been small is bigger because they're looking at and they're like, what are you doing and stuff like that? So it's like they have uh, hurt themselves and it's been by a thousand cuts and stuff like that. And as many of them have said, I've seen many of the comments and many of them are quite funny and stuff like that. And I, I'm looking actually at a few on a few sites, and some of them that were funny were like, "If buying is not owning, then piracy is not stealing." Oh, uh, with automation. I remember another, reading that line. Another yes. one was uh, what was it? Piracy isn't theft when nobody owns anything. Like you have all these crazy statements and stuff. It's a like hell that. of a logic, but obviously. You know, given what I read from that statement, you could see why some people would write those things in forms and stuff like that. Let's put it that way. That's great. Those are great. Those are fair lines. It's just you know they won't hold up in a court of law. Obviously. Um, here's the plane with fire line, and as I said, this is Sony too big to fail. Seemingly, pull this move off on PS5. I know I am not the only person who have bought games. Off of uh, on on PlayStation digitally, I know I'm not the only person who's bought games for my Steam uh, for my Steam Deck. I know, I know, I am not like. Let's see what happens if you want to pull this off in the video game world at some point. To some degree, it's already happened. Three and that part of PSN. Remember, they pulled. I was about to say years ago. I did buy. Let's I'll I'll spitball a number because I know it's probably not higher than this. Fifty bucks worth of uh, games on the PS PS3 digitally, 
And there's no record of their even mere existence, much less access to them now on my, on this, on said same PSN account. And God help you if you end up banned for whatever reason. Well, you got to be on the original systems, as they say, are the ones that can talk to each other. That's why it was so important that they had PS4 and PS5 talk to each other, or else they would have been in even more uh, thick of it, so to speak, for Sony. That's why it's interesting. Microsoft has been the one. Mm. They, it's not perfect, but they've had the best uh, connectivity between Xbox 360, Xbox One, and now the yeah, this Xbox is- for their mm-hmm. current generation and stuff like that, for making sure that they can cross generations to a degree, not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. But I'm, and having said all of this again, having said all of this again, pull this off. Sheer numbers of people who will be screwed and how much they've paid. How much, how much were those digital copies? How much were, were those video digital copies that people on the Funimation service are stand to lose compared to a video game player, if that same thing happens on PS5. I, I, I just fear you're, that... You're this... being asked to pay. Sorry. You're being asked to pay easily for something right now for a AAA game. Easily $100 Canadian, give or take, for a premium editions. That's that's the plane with Fireline that I'm at on this. Sorry, Mo. No, no, I, I, I agree on the plane with Firepark because I feel like this is gonna blow up in their face if like because <laughs> like people are gonna see this and they're gonna be like hey why would i buy anything digitally ever again you know it's gonna get snatched up from me or take it from me in general it just it's not good it's 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 not gonna end well for them they think they go down this route if that if that's the route that if that's where we're de- where destiny is about to go 20 years down the road you know watch uh, with somebody who somebody's yakuza collection sorry i'm talking about myself but somebody has a similar collection digitally. A lot of people do. So this is this is this is a line. Maybe they're doing this because they know this is the one they can get away with. Or, or they're—I was just going to say—or they're trying to prep us all for a world where we don't own anything digitally, and in fact, all we do get are subscriptions. Well, that's what Crunchyroll and the overlords at Sony obviously have wanted to do. Now, some of the others have tried to do it, but it seems they've started to backpedal a bit because I think Disney has tried to get some stuff physical on into the market again, stuff like that. And they were trying to do it, the digital future and stuff like that and get everyone onto Disney+. Plus. Yeah. See, and as I said, I'm proud of myself this week because I finished Ratchet and Clank. I'll talk about that another time. Uh, uh, I was going to say quickly, the other little thing too is that Crunchyroll is not known to keeping uncensored broadcasts up well, on their site. Yeah, Animation it, always had that option when the Blu-ray or DVD release came out. That's the, and that's, that's and the that's the key that, thing you know, we've talked about many a times and I was going to yeah. mention again that that's another differentiator that is going to say they still have the home video things up there when they come out they had those home video ones as you said kevin when the dvd releases or blu-ray releases came out they put the home video up but we have never seen that from Crunchyroll. they're just like we're going to the new thing we don't give a fuck we're just going to continue on they even when they have more risque shows sometimes they'll have a less censored version but they've never actually had 
a fully home video version for those or for any other series because sometimes you'll have series that are just regular series and then as we said they're pushing those animators they have to get the content out to the masses and then they said you know what we're just going to come back to the home video and fix up any mistakes or make it the best product it can be and we'll never get to see that for some of those shows because they're too small for Crunchyroll to care to put onto Blu-ray and we'll have to wait till um, May to see how their uh, Blu-ray or their physical media monthly slates are going to look like. I think they're going to be the same as before because as we talked last episode, they're transferring over and putting that under the Sony umbrella for them to distribute themselves for their physical media if they have any left. And then it'll be interesting to see how much they put out each month. And I don't think it's going to be much because they have so much content that they have put out over the past few years and they just haven't put out a physical release of it and stuff like that. And that's a shame because you're like, okay, you have this marriage and that you're going to say the Funimation part will help them on the physical side. And then Crunchyroll, I guess, will help on the streaming, even though we have a lot of questionable things on how good their streaming site is. But uh, it hasn't, it's worked out as we thought, which is like, we don't care. It's like, even though it could be a nice extra part of revenue, even though it'll be a small part part for the physical, we're just going to force them onto the streaming. We want you all onto the streaming, which is kind of crazy that they're just letting revenue slip from their hands in my mind. And that how much more revenue can they get from just getting all these people to come to their site? Because I'm not sure how much bigger they can get because I think they're pretty damn big already for just a niche anime site, to say the least. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, in, in regards to the limitation of physical releases, I mean, it, it's tough, obviously. Stuff costs money, and it does feel like they're leaving money on the table in regards to that. But I feel like getting people on the streaming service and locking them down is, like, their number one priority. And if they can somehow achieve some kind of growth in that user base, then they can, you know, transfer over to an ad-supported model where they can make more money or, you know, bump up the prices again. I feel like once they can get a nice significant amount of people to transfer over, bump up the prices and, uh, you know, see what happens. But in regards to the physical media, if they're even halfway smart, do like a Supreme type, you know, scarcity model, you know, like, uh, make this extra oh, limited edition for a hundred prints or something, you know, you sort uh, of, they started yeah, doing that. Yeah, that in digitally, but, okay. They started doing that. Just for really popular things. But it's definitely... And they think- still have Aniplex stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, they, they have the Aniplex stuff on the... Uh, digi- sorry, the store side. But it's crazy that, yes, you understand why they want it all under Crunchyroll, under one brand. But I think at some point, you would have thought, too, for them it would have been a smart play to say, you know what, people understand globally Crunchyroll is about streaming. And then they could have kept saying, like, say, for example, Right Stuff as their retail portal and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just say Right Stuff presented by Crunchyroll or some nonsense like that and kept the actual site for Right Stuff since they knew what they were doing and stuff like that and had that trust and stuff like that in the market, but they didn't which is still crazy to think because you still would have thought it would make a business case and business sense, but there's never brands did. and then there's brands. Uh, sometimes they, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say, Meg, it's, it's a brand issue. 
No, it is a brand issue, but you can yeah, still make it work, yeah, and we've just, seen it before, but it's I so know, crazy. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's just, there's one that's saying, okay, you want to go with names that are ultimately trustworthy, and then there's one, there's another argument that says, how many names are too many? And I, I mean, in many respects, that's well, what fans ultimately Here's do. the other thing I could tell you. They were fine for the past year with how they did, and that could have been okay and just some small tweaks. But the question is this. They want Crunchyroll as a global brand, then fucking act like it, especially on the right stuff side. Basically, they've made it that the only people who are going to order en masse from that is from the U.S. or people who can get people from the U.S. to ship it to them internationally, as I've said before. So they shrunk their base in my mind and stuff like that. Like they've uh, hit themselves in the foot a few too many times. It was funny. I was on the Crunchyroll site late this week and someone uh, was showing me on their sale thing. They had bundles and the bundles had ridiculous prices like $20 US, originally uh, $110 or $200 in that. But then when you actually click on the product for the bundle, like Mob Psycho, or uh, Railgun or something like that. It was like a bundle of manga and uh, the anime and stuff like that. It would show you a higher price of like 60 or $120 or something like that, the actual price, which is a glitch, yes, but not a good look. Not a good, well, and, and, and correctable because you have people to do that. Okay. But I've never seen that many glitches like when Right Stuff uh, had its thing. They had probably problems too, but it's crazy that everything comes into clear focus when they see all these different things that have happened to them on multiple fronts, whether the store streaming or what have you. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what else to add. Has, has anyone been on the country rule store recently? I have. That's what I just told you about. That's that's James. Just James. It it looks so Amazon-y. I mean, come on, guys. (laughs) Well, that that was basically kind of like you had Funimation Store, then you had Crunchyroll Store. So those kind of, they went with their design and their platform. And it's just, and you look how they sort things, and it's just so farcical how they, like, you look at recents, and they aren't actually sorting them by the recent date. It's, like, so weird, to say the least. But if you want to, I can tell you one good thing about Crunchyroll. And last thought, last thought. So I did actually play through the full uh, game they released late last year, Hime's Quest, that they gave away for free as a ROM. And they did sell on their site and on Limited Run. I did not buy the uh, cart for the Game Boy Color game. But uh, if someone wanted to buy that, good for them. But I think for a free uh, ROM, I'm okay with it. And... I have to say, I came away with a better experience than I thought. It's basically a Link's Awakening ripoff in terms of gameplay and everything, but it was fun. And it was done in the Game Boy, um, as a Game Boy Maker uh, engine, so to speak. And it was very short, I'll give them that, but I had fun for what I did. I feel like there could have been one more uh, mini dungeon to go through. So they did have dungeons, only three of them, but there were very many, like maybe seven rooms to 10 rooms not much and then at the end before the final boss you actually have to fight the three bosses before again so they basically padded it that way the collision detection was better than i thought it was going to be because with some of these games it can be terrible but it was okay and they had little touches there like they did have some funky story it was fun for what it was and then if you try to put it in a game boy um type of uh environment or say you took the cartridge put into a game boy they have the thing like 
back in the day where it says you can't play it on here you have to play it on a game boy color so oh yeah but it, it, for free it was a fun little thing so sometimes they do little things right but uh, I hate to say it. They still, Maybe if they want to be, if they want to play with the big players, as they said, like Netflix and all that other stuff, they got to start acting like it. And we have seen, we knew this was coming also because this week as well, they merged the um, watch lists for Funimation and Crunchyroll as they promised in there. And the other thing we've noticed is there were a few other changes. So you know how uh, subtitles, not subtitles, but uh, closed captioned for hearing impaired for dubs. They had that on Funimation, not on Crunchyroll. Some series have started to see that. Hopefully that can be a bigger thing because that would be nice to that part of the community. And then the last other thing was, um, what was the other thing? I Oh, remember you said, Kevin, uh, that sometimes they have breaks on certain shows now. So you can skip an ending or you can skip uh, an opening if you want to get straight to the show for some shows unfortunately only on certain platforms that crunchy rolls on very netflix and, thing and even uh, yeah. i go remember you said about how they had like at the beginning before the opening a little recap of the episode or the show before you can skip that too on Daigo at least, but it's not for all shows. So they still have a lot to do to make that happen. They may never not even do it for older shows because we've seen how they've treated them before. It's just kind of up there, whether it's home video or not, because some of them have home video and they've put up the broadcast version for no reason at all. Aye. But that's Aye. the biggest thing is one day we hope that they can get Aye. home video versions on there. That's the stink I would like people to make to get them to put up a proper version once time has passed. Can I? Okay. Anyone want to say something and then I'll finish up? You can finish up. Like, sorry okay. for uh, the long-windedness. Mine, my line is, uh, well, for, I guess the remedy for death by a million cuts is recovery by a million band-aids. Maybe there's a couple there. Remind me to lock in for the 99 Canadian for the year for, on Crunchyroll. Um, and uh, can't wait for the end. And uh, let's uh, let's pour one out for Funimation, okay? As a brand. Let's also pour one out. Okay, Niji-san, any color? Selen Tatsuki. You, you, Kevin. You mentioned this to us last night, and I'm reading some of this. Shit. We're okay. Give me a give me a cold note version, Kevin, and then I, I'm shaking my head when I read some of this too. So uh, I don't have a lot of time to be honest with you, but Selen Totsky was a more popular VTuber within Nijisanji's English division. And she was terminated recently. And there's a lot of finger pointing going on because, uh, how where do I even start with this? Because their Niji Sanji's statement is pretty long, but basically they cited multiple breaches of contract. Some of it includes not a, apparently not obtaining rights, which has been proven false, and uh, and not paying. Like people for their work, which is also false. And 
This is because, uh, how do I put this? Selene has since come out and stated that, nope, that's, I left because, or I got terminated because um, my mental health was bad. And and that hospital visit that I that I took towards the end of towards Christmas time, yeah, that was me because I I almost killed myself. There was self harm apparently because of, yeah because of the uh, conditions there right yeah and okay. also uh, the thing is is that. There have been artists that have since come out of the woodwork saying, no, Selene paid us. And then her cover for that Lily Pichu song, Lily Pichu herself came out and said, no, Selene got the rights for that. We cl- it was good. There were no issues. So, so now Niji Sanji comes out as lying about everything. I just found this, uh, 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 like, still, uh, first of all, I'll preface it always by saying the VTuber side and maybe YouTubing in general, I'm not told, like, it is still something I'm still trying to grasp. That's the old Taku in me still talking. I respect where this is. It's just maybe I don't understand, uh, grasp it nearly as well as a, you know, a younger generation. It's, but I can't help but re- read this and be disheartened and anybody who's been following niji sanji as a company knows that this has not been the first time that we've heard stories about them mismanaging their talent or just business mismanagement in general i think uh selene the one you were talking about there was someone uh, actually funny enough from toronto i guess she was working with her on something and stuff like that. So they needed an NDA or whatever to be signed or whatever. So Niju Sanji sent these NDAs to the person in Toronto and they didn't have their legal name and they kept sending them back and saying, I will sign this, but I need my legal name on there and stuff like that. And even until recently as this week, she said him or her said this week that they sent them, they still had the legal name wrong. So it's like, I'm not going to sign this if you don't have my legal name on there and stuff like that. Like that's basic business idiocy, which would just shake your head. Like you would think all the things they've done would have killed a business, but somehow they're still running. And you thought Sony, uh, Sony's PR was bad. (laughs) Cause they are one of the biggest Japanese VTubing companies any any color and yes mm-hmm. so it will take a lot for them to be sunk but anybody that's known about niji sanji mismanaging their talents knows that they're basically considered a black company at this point and usually that term is referred to companies that are just known for mismanaging and mistreating their talent mm. and their employees and there have been other Niji Sanji VTubers that have since left. Well, not since left. They had left before Selene. Some people... Went to Hololive, right? And stuff like some that. people went to Hololive. Uh, a couple of Gondavi Shoujo. Mm-hmm. 
and not, not every and not every case was on like, bad terms. Well, supposedly not. Uh, but for the record, not every all of them were on bad terms. But it had later come out that they left because they weren't happy with Niji Sanji. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Yeah, so what else to say? And 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 if you look at their their uh, statement, like any color statement. It's interesting in that it feels like they're implying that other VTubers were involved with Selene's uh, mental health deteriorating when Selene herself had said that no, this was not any, this was not the fault of any individual act or performer. This was on management side. I started to draw two parallels while reading all the comments and the basics of this story. And we'll put this, we'll put up at least some of the blurbs. And as always on this show, we always say when we talk about something, we will, we're just given an overview and we encourage people to learn a little bit more about the story and we'll give our take on it as much as we know to this point. And we try and know as much as we can. It's As I read this, sad. Yeah, uh, it is sad. It's I, sad I, because that CEO looks pretty young. I'll say. Any colors? Yeah, he looks that's like the a main, dude. the main fellow. And then it sounded like one of his, either a brother or relative, is the one running the English uh, division, so to speak. And that one is just a train wreck. It sounds like where it is. The real problem could be there. Yeah, they, but of course, nepotism is nothing new in the uh, entertainment industry and all those and other things. And, and maybe in Asia, in a and, lot of Asia too. And it's the whole being ingrained with the old school Japanese notion of doing business and. But they definitely. Full control and, and, and unnecessary rules. But I think it also plays to how when they entered the English market, they felt they didn't think that they needed to change the way they needed to manage their talent as well. Uh, supposedly, Hololive gives a little more flexibility in that regard. Or at the very least, you could say they've maybe learned their lessons from the past because Hololive hasn't been perfect either. No, I was going to say, V Shoujo and Hololive, obviously, they still have their issues and stuff like that, but they haven't been near the issues of Niju Sanji and they've tried to enter same similar markets remember Indonesia has had uh, a number of VTubers and they had similar issues there too and I, don't that if, I don't even know if that division exists anymore I don't think it does I think, I think that one got kiboshed at least on the Niju Sanji side and stuff yeah. like that because they had issues there so they've had uh, a round of issues but across the board it's like you see uh even more interesting things compared to the idol industry. They have all those rules, but then they have all these different NDAs and stuff like that, where it's like, guess what? You don't exist past when you're with us. You're only going to be doing stuff with us. Your uh, character model and all this other stuff is going to be under us. And that if you decide to leave, guess what? We're taking it all away from you. So you have nothing once you leave us to a degree and stuff like that. 
Like it, it's just wild what they're throwing in there. And some people, they have like reached out to other people. I think there was um, a person uh, in the English uh, voiceover community. I forget. And he has a VTuber model and stuff like that. I forget his name now. But he was reached out at one point and he looked at the terms and stuff like that and said, no, I'm not going to sign that. He said, I still want to voice act in English dubs and stuff like that. And I didn't sign you. Yeah. It, yeah. And so just, it, it was interesting to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because just, between his VTuber model and him, you can tell it's him and stuff like that. And I don't know how that would change, even if he signed with someone. Yeah. Because Ninja Sanji usually only brings up people on that have had some sort of fan base beforehand. But or it, either, like, it just sounds like the terms of agreement makes it sound like you cannot have a, a, a side. You can't ha- do anything, any real that type of side hustle. Yeah, right. Because it's, you look at you look at like Whole Alive, and you look at Mori Calliope, and she still does things under her human persona. Mm-hmm. But but the terms of agreement would say you cannot do that, or you cannot do that and connect them. I think with Niji, it's you can't do it at all. Period. Yeah, they were the ones that were to the extreme of no bueno, you can't do anything, so to speak. Whereas others, it feels like there is some negotiability in there, but it's still stricter than what you would think it should be, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the now we, when you say all that, I think of pro uh, of how pro wrestling can be too, because WWE was very closed. It was a very closed system for a very long time, and it still is to some degree, but it's you know. Whereas the rest of the pro wrestling world, can, you can work as independently in various uh, through a variety of promotions. So that's what it feels like when I when I when you put it in those terms. What I want to also mention was when I started to understand a little more of this story was I thought of some parallels. The one, the obvious one to me was the idol industry, and we talked about Johnny Associates last year. Is that a, is that a, an appropriate parallel? Uh, Kevin James, it, with the, uh, even Mo, uh, would that be an appropriate parallel? It's similar. We're we're on that track at the very least. <clears throat> and then it's just the other parallel is more is more local here with uh, with the whole service Ontario thing. Uh, that and if you're in Ontario, you'll know that story. It's just more of a case of okay, you're going to cut off people and tell them not to speak to the public. And cut them off from every single resource by which they can communicate with the outside world. Uh, so that when they're finally let go, they have to fend for themselves so they can tell their story. They cannot tell their story in the midst of the story happening. I think it happens more often than it should in regards to large corporations and big companies in general. Whole NDAs and whatnot. And well, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. That's the other that. side. It is, you know, once again... This is going like with the Sony story and the Funimation story. This is the way business is. It sucks. But this is the way it is. Sometimes. A lot of the time. You just get to, it's just that it all gets lost. And then once in a while, you'll hear the odd story. Just always understand this is not totally unique. Exactly. It's like, how, how dare you guys want rights and be treated fairly and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hell of a story, though. Hell of a story. 
Um, and maybe still, I wouldn't say more to come. It's just, I, 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 since, um, I learned about the, a lot of that last night, I'm still trying to digest it and maybe I want to learn a little more. Okay. Well, I guess there was some good after and stuff like that, that, uh, Celine did come out, I guess, after yeah, the yeah. fact on uh, her old account and stuff like that, that's what she's going in that basically they were saying, oh, it's not like we're going to lose much. And then you saw how many subscribers went to her uh, Twitter oh, and went right. to uh, her, I believe, YouTube, I believe, is where she's streaming now. By oh, yeah, there, and it's basically kind of brought her back up, not to where she was, but to a very big degree. So it probably should be a wake up call in that sense for some of these, uh, VTuber type, uh, stables, uh, so to speak, uh, whether it be V Shoujo or hollow live or any of them that maybe they should uh, rethink some things, but I don't, uh, many of them will, but it well, could I mean, as you, as you know, Mike's going to say it, you know, you know, cash money, man. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's also, well, we're still in the early stages of these forms of entertainment, too. I will say, in the defense of these shoujo, they've always seemed to be more creator, uh, sorry, yeah, creator focused. In that, if you sign on them, if you sign to their agency, you get to keep your avatar. You get to, or if, or even if you didn't have an avatar, they made you one. Okay. In the case of. Uh, Matara and Kuro, which were two of the Nijisanji English members that had joined them since. And it seems like they mostly make their money through, like, merch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not to say that they're perfect either, of course, because they had that thing where, like, three members left within a span of two months when their contracts ended as well. Yeah. Although it seemed mostly amicable well maybe not one of them but not to this but not to the degree we're talking about now so yeah it has been interesting to see it develop because you could almost say it started with uh miku and stuff like that and then you have all those concerts and then we obviously had we obviously had the vtubers before the pandemic but i feel the pandemic took them to another level and then in the most recent years with that uh, level they've even been doing like actual live shows because we had talked we talked about maybe very briefly the show they had at anime expo and stuff like that with the vtubers and stuff like that and they filled a concert hall okay yeah yeah they did well as i said this is like maybe I'll, i i still got to start to keep up myself but you know time is short uh Okay, I, I think we're we're at the end because I know we all have our Sundays to enjoy, whether it's the Super Bowl or work or really better stuff. Um, Mo, I know we want. I know there's that Japan Foundation thing, guys. I know there's this Japan Foundation thing. I brought it up last time. There's a follow up coming up, uh, and I know Mo will. I know Mo was interested in. It. You, we'll talk about that later in the week, uh, Mo. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Okay. Because uh, the, the, there's still more to come, and that's next week. Glad we can get in our first uh, thing this week, though. 
Oh yes, so, and that's thing. the twenty second, correct? There, yeah. uh, Mike, in case they are. Yes, still and we'll available. talk about that. Uh, I know Kevin just put up a stuff something for Humble Bundle. I know I knew about it. There is a Humble Bundle manga. Sale. I'm finally going to buy the Drops of God. With this say, bundle. God here's your here's your chance. Last uh, the entire Drops of God series, not the follow up series, but just your original, right? Just remember, Kevin. Maybe not forever, right? I'll come and steal our digital copies. You can give me the copies. I know. I know, but yeah, they'll find well, a way. They'll find a way. No, yeah, yeah. Just make sure you can't read them anymore. Anyway, but uh, plenty more still to come. And uh, let's uh, call it a show because we all got our day to do. Uh, so that's all we have for this morning. AnimeRoundtable.com is your portal for everything, all of our online presence, uh, whether it's our Twitter, Twitter, uh, Twitter site, Twitch site, etc., YouTube, which are all, we're going to try it soon. But as all, first and foremost, we're always on the podcasts. So, uh, so give us a review wherever you can on Apple Podcasts or other, uh, other services because good reviews might help us. Hey, we're halfway through the through the quota, so maybe we're due for at least one more thing through the month of February. But in any event, give us a subscribe, like, or follow on any platform we're on so you can be notified when we put up something new there. And if you have a Spotify account, please check out the Anime Roundtable playlist for a list of music based on things we've mentioned on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Pico Misaki. Check out more of our music at PicoInfinity.com or on Facebook at Pico Zen Music. You could have listened to any anime podcast in the world, but you decide to listen to perhaps the oldest one, and we really appreciate it. So until next time, Gong Hei Fat Choi, enjoy the rest of the Lunar New Year, enjoy Super Bowl. Good morning from I, Toronto. I, 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 it's Travis, I hope she leaves you, man, after losing that game. It sucks, but it sucks. <laughs> Well, first, Mo, they all have to actually make it to the field. Do you think they can do that in Las Vegas with all the distractions? Uh, whatever happens there stays there. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the rest of the day. Have a good morning from Toronto. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. <laughs>